Wow, it is quite an honor to be standing up here right now. It is an honor to have received the invitation from Tony to offer a sermon on this day of installation. What an awesome moment for the Hopedale Unitarian Parish and the Reverend Tony Lorenzen. Can you say amen? Amen. What an awesome moment for Unitarian Universalism. What an awesome moment for shared missional ministry. Shared missional ministry. Turn to your neighbor and say shared missional ministry. Shared missional ministry. If you don't know what that means, you're going to know when I'm done talking. What an awesome moment as we come together, as we gather to celebrate the call to ministry this congregation has extended to Tony, as we gather to celebrate and practice our Unitarian, our Universalist, our Unitarian Universalist, our Congregational, our Free Church, our Liberal Religious Heritage, and as we gather to look forward to what we fully expect and know and trust will be an authentic heartfelt, joy-filled, meaningful, thoughtful, safe, caring, challenging, prophetic, liberating, deeply spiritual, and highly effective (laughs) shared missional ministry here in Hopedale in the coming years. So first, when I say shared ministry, when I make references to shared, I'm speaking of the practical heart of our faith today, congregations and ministers share ministry. Tony has his own unique call to ministry. In response to it, the members of the Hopedale Unitarian Parish have called him to serve as their minister, but each of you also has your own unique call to ministry, and as a congregation, you have a collective call to ministry. So minister and congregation, your task in the coming years is to blend your callings. Your task in the coming years is to share ministry. And what will give that sharing its focus? If you have not already, I invite you to try on the word missional. Just show of hands, who's heard, has Tony said that word yet? <laughs> now, so some of you know, I know the search committee knows. How about back here? Back here. You still have to listen, though. You still have to listen. So when I use the word missional in reference to ministry, I mean very simply a ministry that joyfully, creatively, doggedly, and unapologetically serves the wider community. This may sound fairly obvious and non-controversial, but in my experience, it is not obvious at all. And it is often controversial, and for many, it is counterintuitive. Some of us, myself included, become deeply, deeply, deeply involved in the congregational life. That is, the life of the congregation, the life that happens within our four walls, or the four walls of the building. When a sanctuary is as beautiful as this one, I think it is very tempting to become focused on the internal life of the congregation. I know I would. It is very tempting to imagine the ministry happening here. 
And in an age of declining congregational participation, in an age of declining congregational revenues, it becomes even more tempting to invest more and more energy and resources right here, right in this beautiful place. After all, in times like these, in our era, it can often feel like the survival of the church is at stake. We love our churches. We want them to survive. We feel urgency around this. But missional ministry is much less concerned with improving the church and its programs and is much more concerned, much more, with, with equipping its people to pursue a mission that serves and improves the larger community. Keep in mind, survival isn't a mission. Service is a mission. Tony once quoted our colleague, the Reverend David Owen O'Quill, who explained the missional life by asking, For whom does your heart break? For whom does your heart break? And when you have an answer, go serve them. Transform their lives, and your life will be transformed in the process. Today, you, the members and friends of the Hopedale Unitarian Parish, and Reverend Tony are just beginning to discern, to discern together for whom your collective heart breaks. You're still at the beginning stages of that. You see glimmers of it in the Red Wagon Collection, which I know has been going on for many years. You see glimmers of it in Operation Turkey Sandwich, in Laundry Love, in the Community Meal, in your Green Sanctuary work, in your Welcoming Congregation work, meaningful ministry, all of it but still just glimmers of the truly transformative and life-saving ministry this congregation and Reverend Tony Lorenzen can achieve together. You know what your greatest risk is right now? The greatest risk you face lies in underestimating the power of a highly motivated and talented minister sharing missional ministry with an empowered and visionary congregation. That's the biggest risk that you will underestimate what's possible. So I challenge you to overestimate. You have nothing to lose, and I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can overestimate what's possible. Do you guys think you can overestimate what is possible? Amen. Nope. So a little background. I've known Tony for over a decade. We were members of the Greenfield Group, a UU clergy study group. We meet twice a year. We call the meeting a convocation. If you ever hear that word convocation, just know that's a big seminary word for meeting. <laughs> One year, uh, an early year in my relationship with Tony, he led a convocation on social media and ministry. And one of the assignments was for all of us to start a Facebook page. I knew what Facebook was, sort of. I had no intention of starting a Facebook page. It seemed like the most highly intrusive and distracting thing that I could possibly do. But Tony assigned it, so I did it. Who else was there? Wintle was there. Susan was there, yeah. You guys did it. Now, seriously, the whole concept of a Facebook page sounded ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. But we did it. Tony also encouraged the more adventurous among us to start blogging. I had, at the time, no intention to ever start a blog. I wasn't as opposed to that as Facebook. 
But Tony assigned it, so I did it. And the bottom line is, Tony introduced me to social media, and it changed the way I do ministry. It transformed the way I do ministry, and I have never looked back, and I'm still deeply grateful to Tony for that. I'm sure I would have gotten a Facebook page eventually. I'm sure I would have started blogging eventually. Tony happens to be the person who got me started. He is what is known as an early adopter. We have to offer prayers for all the early adopters. Any early adopters in the house? Got a couple head nods. Tony is an early adopter. I want you to keep that in mind as you move forth from this day because you will occasionally find Tony way out ahead of you. You may have already found Tony way out ahead of you on certain things. You may even feel that he has lost his mind. (laughs) Even if it is unsettling. Even if it is unsettling, I I counsel you to learn to love that feeling. I feel unsettled. Oh, that preacher said I should love that feeling. So you try to love that feeling. Because it means Tony has adopted the next critical thing in ministry. Trust that he knows what he's doing. Trust his instincts. Trust his playfulness, his sense of adventure. Complete his assignments. (laughs) He might change the way you do ministry. And it will be worth it. Now, Tony and I also have a mutual affection for the 1999 Wachowski Brothers film, The Matrix. Show of hands. Who's familiar with The Matrix? So a good number of you. Show of hands. The Matrix. So for those of you who are not familiar, it's a, it's a movie in which human beings live in a computer simulation designed to mask the truth that they are enslaved by machines. They are actually, their bodies are the power sources, the batteries for the machines. And waking up to this reality, crossing the threshold from the simulated world to the real world of enslavement requires swallowing the red pill. The red pill. If you take the blue pill, you stay in the simulation, you live a false life, you forget you ever had the chance to encounter reality. If you take the red pill, you will wake up. It's not pleasant. Waking up is not pleasant, but at least you are free. I don't always recommend this movie. Sometimes I find it hard to watch because the cell phones are so big. (laughs) No, actually, I do recommend the movie. I recommend it with the caveat. It's a very violent movie. Even by today's standards, it's a very violent movie. So Tony, some of you, you actually... I bet none of you know this. Tony is a founder of the Red Pill Brethren. Did you know that? Tony is a founder of the Red Pill Brethren, a collective of Unitarian Universalist ministers dedicated to missional ministry. They offered a serious critique of Unitarian Universalism and an invitation. Take the Red Pill. Wake up. Don't remain stuck in that false world of the perennial church dilemma We can't pay the bills because we need more members, so let's focus all our energy and resources on attracting more members. Does that sound at all familiar? (laughs) Note, people visiting churches know when you're doing that. They do. When we believe we can't do anything else until we solve this dilemma, we fall asleep to our mission. 
If we're lucky, we become very good at gathering the people, and there's something to be said for gathering the people, but we forget how to send them forth. Let's wake up to the reality that missional ministry is a vibrant, joy-filled, transformative, meaningful ministry. Take the red pill, engage in ministry, the church won't survive. It will thrive. It will thrive. In the book of Luke, Jesus enters the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth to read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. I think there's a little bit of Jeremiah in there too. Notice there's nothing in what Jesus read about needing more members, about cutting the staff to half time, about pledge drives, about paying the bills, about the music. It's a red pill sermon. It's a missional ministry moment. The Spirit of God is upon me because God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of God's favor. It's clear in this, uh, what uh, Reverend Hubble called mission statement, Jesus' mission statement, it's clear for whom Jesus' heart breaks, it's clear for whom the prophet Isaiah's heart breaks. Of course, Jesus goes on, in that same passage, to essentially say to the congregation, you're not going to like this. You're not going to like this. And he makes some ancient Near Eastern references, which I'm never quite sure I understand. And the crowd becomes very angry, and guess what they do? They run him out of town. They run him out of town. And I wonder if the people of Nazareth were experiencing Jesus as an early adopter. (laughs) Or worse, an innovator. Early adopters and innovators are often ridiculed as overly enthusiastic, too out there, unrealistic, and threatening to the way we've always done things around here. And of course, early adopters uh, ridicule what we might call the traditionalists or the protectors of the status quo. At least that happens some of the time. They refer to them as static, stale, stultified, stuck in their ways. And you will, you will encounter this tension between early adopters and traditionalists as you discern the contours of your shared missional ministry. It's a good tension to have. It's normal. Keep this in mind. Any good idea that is new, any good idea that is new is inherently threatening to the way we've always done things. You can't escape that. You can't escape it. There is no movement into new ways of doing ministry without that threat emerging. But if we give in to the anxiety the threat generates, we'll resist innovation and we will slowly die. No matter how hard we work at saving the church, we will slowly die. Our survival actually depends on our ability to continually generate a rich, set of new ideas and to put the best ones into practice. Those of you who are traditionalists, I count you you to learn to love that feeling. Sometimes it's a vertigo feeling. Sometimes it's just unsettling. That feeling that rises in you when the early adopters start throwing ideas around. There's another one. They're just throwing them around. They're just trying to see what might work. Right? And Tony and all of the early adopters I counsel you to be mindful that as congregations change, there's always grief. There's always grief for old ways that are disappearing. Don't ignore the grief. Attend to it. 
honor it. If traditionalists can be willing to enter into the uncomfortable place of doing new things, and if early adopters can honor the grief that comes with change, you will blend your diverse callings into a focused, shared missional ministry that powerfully transforms your community, and again, the church will thrive. Now, I make it sound easy. It's not. The red pill doesn't come around very often. The blue pill is everywhere. Our sense of mission often weakens. Our sense of being called by a sustaining reality greater than ourselves weakens. Our confidence in our own power and agency, both as ourselves and as a congregation, weakens. We don't always have the patience to listen listen deeply to each other. We lose sight of the blessings in our lives. Our gratitude wanes. Our passions and ideals become lost in the stresses of our lives. We can begin to feel rootless, rudderless, anchorless, ungrounded. We move through our lives, including our congregational lives, reacting to events rather than creating them. We grow weary, even exhausted. It happens. It's normal in most human beings. It's normal in the life cycle of most congregations. We get used to how things are. We conduct our ministries by rote. Never mind that the world is changing all around us. We say we're comfortable with the status quo. We fall asleep. It's normal, but I also believe there are ways in which our postmodern, post-industrial, first world, hyper-capitalist, technological culture very intentionally seeks to put us to sleep. Our culture is complex, it is multifaceted, it is beautiful in many ways, it is creative, it is progressive, yet at the same time it harbors, affirms, sanctions, promotes and privileges forces that cut us off from our connections to God and to each other, forces that keep us from comprehending what actually sustains us, forces that separate us from the earth and that separate our minds from our bodies, from our spirits, forces that hide inconvenient truths, forces that lie brazenly to lead us into wars we never should have waged, forces that plant in our hearts reasons to be fearful rather than hopeful, reasons to hate rather than love, forces that maintain and build power and wealth for an increasingly small group of global elites at the expense of billions of our fellow human beings living in extreme poverty across the planet, Forces that give us the illusion of being connected to a global, to a, uh, a global, I'm sorry, to a global web, but would actually clog our hearts and minds with trivia and biased ideological rants posing as journalism and then sell our search data to multinational corporations so they can advertise more things to us that we actually don't need. Forces that lull us into, at best, tolerating, and at worst, being completely oblivious to poverty, to abuses of undocumented people, to discrimination against Muslims, to discrimination against refugees, to mass incarceration of black and Hispanic men and women, to systemically generated violence against women in the home and in the public square, to the violence of homophobia and transphobia, to our fossil fuel addictions, to the full scope of the global warming crisis, to a still insufficient health care system in the still richest nation on earth, to a food production and distribution system that is slowly poisoning us, to a gun lobby that revels in its financial profits in the wake of mass 
shootings and refuses to compromise on even the most modest proposals to curtail violence. All of this, all of this is possible because we stay unaware, idle, distracted, disconnected, and asleep. We who believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Friends, the purpose of the liberal church in this historical moment must be to wake us up to those elements of the culture that would prefer we sleep. The purpose of the liberal church in this historical moment is to resist all the ways those forces of division and oppression impact our lives and offer in their place a clear and unmistakable practice and a message of caring, community-building, justice-seeking, earth-stewardship grounded in an unwavering, hope-filled, spirit-centered, soul-stirring love. The purpose of the liberal church in this historical moment must be to reveal to us the contours of a larger, sustaining reality to help each of us, in response to that revelation, discern our deepest, most authentic calling, and then to equip us and send us wide awake into the world to serve. Wide awake into the world. Turn to your neighbor, say wide awake. Wide awake. Turn to your neighbor, say into the world. Into the world. Turn to your neighbor, say wide awake into the world. Wide awake into the world. And I'll try this. I'm going into the world wide awake. I'm going I feel like wide awake better or into the world better. <laughs> wide awake into the world. The purpose of the liberal church is to wake us up and send us into the world. This is why your shared missional ministry here in Hopedale matters. It matters immensely. It's your red pill in a sea of blue. It will keep you awake. Tony's call and your response to it, your call and his response to it, that dance, that dialogue, that listening, that interplay, that tension, that continual invitation to plunge into the mystery where we know what we're doing isn't working, but we're not sure what's coming, that ongoing deepening of trust and sustaining realities larger than you that fill you with gratitude and call you to give of yourself to a greater good, all of it will keep you awake. It matters that a resourceful and committed congregation has called a resourceful and committed minister to serve them. And this moment of installation matters immensely. This is a peak moment in the life of the Hopedale Unitarian Parish. It is a peak moment in the life of the Reverend Tony Lorenzen. It marks a new beginning, a new life, a new light, a birth, a first breath, a first cry. It's a wake-up moment in which something wonderful and new begins, begins today. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah? Can I hear it a little louder? Yes. Can I hear it a little louder back here? Yes. You are ready? Yes. One more time, are you ready? Yes. We who believe in freedom cannot rest. Congratulations, First Unitarian Parish. Congratulations, Tony. May your shared missional ministry save lives. Save the church, save Hopedale and Milford, Menden and Uxbridge and all those other towns, save Massachusetts, save our nation, save the world. Amen, Amen. and blessed be.